You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks again for joining me on the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have John Galligan on the show with me. He has an amazing new book, and this is book four uh, in a series. And if you're not familiar with the Bad Axe County series, you've got to go back and read uh, the three previous and the fourth, uh, such a great book. I know you're going to love it as much as I did. Uh, the The new book is called Bad Day Breaking, and it's the fourth book in the uh, Bad Axe County mystery series. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Hank. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to talk about the new book. I'm excited to have you. Um, John, before we get started, uh, we have a question that we begin each show with, and uh, it's it's one of those things that, that we have to get out of the way before we can dig into the rest. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Oh, I, I have one. I think I, I um, wrote a book when I was just barely old enough to write anything. Um, and I actually plagiarized it. If you know the, if you know the book Blueberries for Sal... Um, if, if you've ever, it's a children's book. And I remember being about six or seven years old and writing, uh, it's a book about a, a little girl that goes out blueberry picking with her mother and is surprised by a bear. And I wrote the same story, Blueberries for Hal. Uh, and so that's my first memory of wanting to be a writer. So did, um, you, it, it's so funny that, uh, when I asked that question to, you know, we've, we've interviewed 1300 authors at this point, and there, there are as many different answers to that question as you can, as there are writers. Uh, but for so many people, it goes back to an early, um, an early experience and where the, the storytelling gene, uh, if you will, gets switched on. Um, after that experience and, and you, you know, having that, that early realization that, you know, hey, I can tell stories too. Did, was this something that was always on your mind going forward? Did, did you have any idea that one day in your future you would be a published author with a, with a shelf full of books? No, the rest of the story is that I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, I went through, uh, you know, grade school and uh, uh, high school and so forth. I was a, I was a reader. Yeah, my, my story is that after that early, uh, my early writing career, uh, I, I quit in about second grade and, um, you know, sort of went down other paths, sports and other things that, that boys did. But by the time I got in high school, uh, I, I had noticed that I was good at writing or that it came easily to me, naturally to me. So when I had a writing assignment, it would, it would happen pretty fluidly and then I would get a good grade on it and that kind of thing. And so, uh, I started leaning in that direction as early as high school. I wrote for my high school's, um, newspaper was the sports editor. Uh, and then, um, as I 
as I progressed through college, I, I was getting a, a bachelor's degree in environmental science, but I just kept getting pulled toward literature and creative writing and so forth. And I finished my degree, but by the time I finished my degree, I knew I was going down a different path. So um, early, early writing and then um, just sort of a average boy's path through life and then sort of a reawakening in high school and college. Looking back um, over your bio, John, uh, you've worked as a newspaper journalist, a, a feature film screenwriter, house painter, au pair, ESL teacher, cab driver, and freezer boy in a salmon ca cannery. That that has to be um, the most random uh, of all. <laughs> the, the thing about being a writer is that I feel like that none of your life experiences are, are ever – uh, wasted and what what seems like a random uh, entry into your bio a lot of times can inform stories in ways that if you had not had that life experience you, you couldn't draw on that uh, how do you think about your varied life experience and and how that feeds you as an author oh you're right it's absolutely essential and but you don't know how uh, you can't predict how um, uh, or when it will come into play. And some of those activities were taken, you know, independent of any thoughts about being a writer and others were just sort of, yeah, I better go do some stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Alaska trip there, that was, that was one of those things. It was like, you know, I, I've got to challenge myself. I've got to get out of my comfort zone. I've got to see the world. I also went to Japan. That's where I was an ESL teacher, lived there and taught there for a year and wrote a novel about that. So uh, the au pair stuff, you know, domestic domestic family drama sort of inserted in the middle of a big, busy family, um, helping out with the kids. All of these things um, come in. And the interesting thing is you kind of never know when those experiences are going to trigger something or um give you uh, an insight into a certain moment or a certain character. And I think if I were to talk to young writers, which I do as a, as a college teacher, it's, it's, you know, you got to live your life. You can't just write. You've got to, you've got to be really active and you've got to meet people and go places and do things and, and especially get out of your uh, little, little comfort zone um, and challenge yourself. So what was the, um, uh, the inciting incident, if you will, that uh, that made you look at writing again. You know, you you'd had all of these varied experiences, and and the writing bug came knocking again one day. What what was that reawakening? Uh, you know, that, it's a little hard to pin down in it, but it really came during college when again I was I was noticing that I could that I could that I could write well, and then I could write easily, and I and I was ridiculously shy i think now we would we call it social anxiety and so i was no good at all at you know spontaneously interacting with human beings face to face and so i think i was just really attracted to the to my own individual power to be somebody in words um and i think i i sort of went through college uh in a in a in a lonely bubble uh but understanding that who I was and, and what I had to say could could be shown, could be shared, uh, and people would be interested in me and attracted to me, and I would be myself to the world if I wrote. 
your um your series the fly fishing um mystery series where did the the idea for this um for this character that you that you dreamed of the dog and and what was the well first off before we get into that um was was that your first um uh, book that you had written or red sky red dragonfly was your first published novel right Right, right. And that's a novel that takes place back and forth between Japan and the United States and is is based on experiences uh, that I had um, because I, I uh, went to Japan. I lived in a small mountain town where I was one of the only, if not the only white person that anybody had ever spoken to and just had a very powerful experience that sort of deconstructed me. And so um, that was that was the first novel was me processing that and making a fictional story out of it and so on. The fly fishing stuff was a shift into, you know, crime genre, specifically mystery. And that happened. I can tell you why that happened. It's related to Japan. I was in this small town. There were exactly two English books. Once I ran out of my own supply of, of reading material, there were two books in the school in English. And one of them was a Confederacy of, Dun- of Dunces which uh, is brilliant and hilarious. And when I finished that, the only other book was The Cat Who Sniffed Glue by Lillian Jackson Brown. And I refused to read it. I thought it was too good for it. I didn't want to read some kind of pulpy, uh, cozy mystery, but uh, I finally picked it up and I could not put it down. Um, (laughs) and And I went, aha, okay, this is fun. Uh, I see how this works. And, you know, the writer um, uh, is is a master of grabbing your attention, telling a story, keeping you involved, making you go to the next chapter and all that stuff. And it just seemed like great fun to me. Um, And so then I have to, you know, when you write something that's sort of in the in the amateur sleuth subgenre, the the beauty of that of that subgenre or the the big interest factor, for me at least, is the expertise of the amateur sleuth. It's that you get to get inside somebody's world, whether it's, you know, baking muffins or, or architecture or whatever it is. And my thing, uh, the thing that I that I know best and love best and do all the time is fly fishing. So I thought, okay, I need to have an amateur sleuth who's a fly fisherman. And so I created this erudite, stylish fellow who... who um, was my amateur sleuth and it just I don't know it wasn't working and then one one time I was actually out fishing with a friend and we met this old guy at the tailgate of his pickup uh, in the rain and he was out fishing as well we had a short conversation with him it turned out we were camping at the same campground Uh, we invited him over we said hey why don't you come over and have a beer later and he said, "Oh no, no, no! I don't do that. I don't, I don't, I don't drink beer. Thanks anyway." So we went back to our camp. We made a campfire. We had two chairs, a cooler, a beer, and a fire. It was raining a little bit. We're talking. Late in the night, out of the gloom, into the firelight comes this guy, and he says, "I think I'll have that beer after all." <laughs> I, I get up to get a beer. He sits down in my chair. Um. And he has that beer and he has that other beer and he has that third beer and he, and he goes on and on into the night with this ranting uh, kind of bitter, strange episodes of his life as a, I think he was a Milwaukee police officer or something like that. But but it, it was my aha moment. It was like, okay, I, I've got a book about somebody who 
only fishes. Well, there's got to be something wrong with you if that's what you're doing. I mean, I think it's everybody's fantasy, but to actually live it uh, means that you're you're running from something or you're processing some sort of incredible damage or something. So that's when I, I got the idea for my character, the dog, uh, who's, you know, a formerly respectable citizen who's had a crisis and who is now out on the road in an old cruise master RV drinking vodka and tang and smoking Swisher sweets and trying to fish himself to death. So that's the story behind that. <laughs> It it sounds like you had a a journey uh, to uh, from uh, from from literary fiction to genre fiction. Let's just say it that way. Um, yeah. There's uh, were you surprised anywhere along the journey that genre fiction could be uh, as well done as you obviously discovered that it could be, and that that you then um, you know, to kind of embraced. Uh, was what was that journey like from from someone who uh, who you know thought that only serious literature could could uh, you know make an impact to realizing that that genre fiction is you know can embrace all of those things. Yeah, it was an interesting. You know, I'm still on the journey. Actually, honestly, I, I went on and got a master's degree in English literature, became a college. Uh, teacher and all this kind of stuff. So my 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 instincts and my tendency, my reading habits, still all about what we call literature. So I'm still kind of processing that. Um, but and I think I aspire to write um, genre fiction that is literary. Um, I don't really think the distinction is all that fair, honestly. <laughs> and I think it's there's a there's a hierarchy there that I don't I've come not to not to totally respect. Um, so for me, it's a, it's it's not a journey to do one or the other. It's sort of a journey to do both at the same time. Um, I think the the beauty of of genre fiction is is the is the power of story. And if you can attach literary elements to a to a um, you know a page turning, gut wrenching story, um, it becomes extra powerful. And in some ways, uh, you're basically providing literature to people who wouldn't pick it up otherwise yeah um your fly fishing series ran for for four books uh the nail knot the blood knot the clinch knot and the wind knot um how did you know at the end of that fourth book that that series was was finished or at least finished for the time who says it's finished <laughs> No, I, I, I was ready to uh, try to try to to at, at the time. Fly fishing mysteries are now sort of a, a sub sub genre. There's a, there's several series out there. I think this was really the, the the first one. But there's now it's now kind of a thing. There have been some that have been put out by major publishers. At the time, I was putting them out with a small publisher, had a very limited loyal but limited you know readership, and. Yeah. Uh, was feeling like I, you know, was at that point was sort of getting pigeonholed. Uh, people were misunderstanding um, the idea, the idea, and, and and saying those are books about fishing, and and I don't fish. That kind of, you know, I kept hearing that kind of a response, and and you know, as if, right, as if that's really the way anything worked. But um, I decided I was going to try to to broaden my my audience. Uh, and reach a, a wider, a wider group of people. So that's that's essentially what I did, and that's how I gravitated into the Bad Axe County series, 
that I'm in now. What's funny is that people say, well, I'm I'm not a fisherman, therefore those books don't uh, relate to me. Um, I know very few county sheriffs. Uh, but yeah, or murderers. <laughs> right. or, yeah, or mass murderers or serial killers or, or, right. or international spies. I know it's silly, it's silly, but that's what was happening. It's it's so funny the things that we latch on to that that we can uh, you know relate to or, or or say that you know we relate to as, over others. But anyway, that's a side tangent. Um, t- tell me how the Bad Axe series came about and uh, Sheriff Heidi. Wh- where did she come from? She came from the Nail Knot. Interestingly enough, from um, the what? The Nail Knot, the first book in the Fly Fishing okay. series. I created a character, a minor character, well, not so, you know, a major minor character in that book um, uh, named Junior. Uh, and she's this Wisconsin farm girl who just will knock your socks off. She can drive every kind of truck, shoot every kind of gun, fix every kind of machine, handle every kind of animal. Uh, meanwhile, she's the valedictorian of her high school class. She plays the saxophone. She's on the debate team. Uh, and she's beautiful, kind of dirty, little, little, little rough at the edges, you know, maybe a little dirt on her fingernails, uh, but, but beautiful. And I created this character and, and she and my, my, she and the dog had a love story in the nail knot and it was so successful and so sweet. And she was such a wonderful character that people at the end of the nail knot would threaten me. Actually, they'd say he'd better not move on and find another woman. (laughs) That told me that people really like Junior. So when I started moving toward the Bad Axe County series, I sort of repurposed her as a very young, very green um, sheriff's deputy uh, in a in a in a small rural in a rural Wisconsin county. And um, I wrote a, you know an entire novel with her in a minor role in that way. And my agent said to me after reading it, well, um, you know, I could probably sell this, but actually what I'd like to see is uh, same, different, same, what'd you say? Uh, same story, different book or different book, same story or something like that. It was some, something that just confounded me. It was like, do the same thing, only not this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so once I processed that, uh, I eventually steered myself toward making that character the featured character, the star of the show. And so she evolved into Heidi Kick, um, who is uh, that kind of farm girl who, as as a young woman, as a high school senior, is is chosen to be the Wisconsin Dairy Queen uh, and is, you know, going about the state promoting milk and cheese and so forth. And uh, a terrible thing happens to her family. And all of her privileges and comforts and everything are stripped away uh and she goes down and when she comes back up she's in law enforcement and um bad axe county the first book in the series as it begins um she is just been named the interim sheriff the existing the previous sheriff has passed away suddenly the county board by a narrow margin has put her temporarily in charge of the sheriff's department uh, that's causing all kinds of problems with the, the old boys that work there. Uh, and meanwhile, she's got uh, uh, a lost girl being sex trafficked through her town. Um, and so that's how she gets her start. Uh, and you got to read the series to find out what happens next. 
She goes on to evolve, of course. Uh, she has a family already at the beginning of the first book. She has a husband and twin boys and a daughter. So she's a busy woman with a lot of challenges. Uh, and she and her family and the sheriff's department uh, and Bad Axe County itself um, evolve over the course so far of uh, four novels. How would you describe um, the 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 first series, uh, the the fly fishing series, compared to Bad Axe County um, as far as uh, like tone and are is one darker than the other? Is one more intense than the other? Uh, it was was there a a transition between series in the way they were written? Absolutely, yeah, uh, and not necessarily intentionally, but uh, the the fly fishing series is is first person. So there's that. There's just one point of view, and it's it's the dog, the narrator, um, and and they are they're they're pretty light and humorous and and sweet, um, even though there is you know death and crime and and so forth. Uh, Bad Axe County took a took a dark turn and and just kept getting darker. I. I started researching when when I when I went in that direction. I started researching rural crime. I mean, what besides the obvious bar fights and uh, car crashes and and you know spousal abuse and and petty theft. You know, what besides the obvious crime happens in rural communities? And I came across an academic study about sex trafficking where the researchers had gone around. I think it was six midwestern states. And they asked rural law enforcement leaders who were all men uh, and generally older white men uh, about sex trafficking in their communities. And they just collectively said, Duh, I don't know. We don't have that. And then the researchers went and asked the identical questions to um, workers in emergency rooms, women's shelters, rape crisis centers, mental health facilities, uh, and so forth, uh, primarily women, and they said the opposite. It's an epidemic. And so that gave me my issue for Heidi Kick, the new female sheriff of a, in a male culture who is suddenly seeing something that the previous regime has sort of refused to even recognize. And so once I got down, once I got into the whole, on the topic of sex trafficking, of course, things got rather dark. Um, which ended up setting uh, somewhat of a tone for the series. <laughs> These are serious, serious books um, in a way. They're, 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 in, in, each, in each case, Heidi Kick is drawn into some kind of uh, deep and real and So yeah, they're more real. They're they're more they're darker. Um, and the other big difference is there is from a technical standpoint, they're written in third person, and I use multiple viewpoints. I um, Heidi Kick is my main viewpoint, but I'll have <clears throat> three other uh, or two uh, sorry two other viewpoint characters in the story. I'll have uh, generally the the idea in my head is I have one character who's an insider in the community, and one character who's an outsider and new to it, um, and those two, those two uh, secondary points of view allow me to really tell a deep story from from uh, several angles. 
Well, and it allows for for contrast uh, that you've got the insider's point of view versus the outsider's point of view. Right. Sometimes uh, they're seeing the same thing. Sometimes they're seeing the same thing from different perspectives. And sometimes right. they just completely notice different things, you know, because of their their status. Uh, it, that's that was a, a really interesting uh, 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 way to, to view the uh um, the characters for me, getting getting that inside versus outside look is uh, uh, is very eye opening. Well, it's a it's a really nice tool as a writer because um, you need you need you need you know the, the the outsider can you know it's it's sometimes unnatural to describe things from the point of view of a person who's in that water every day. You know, we don't I don't walk down my street describing my street. I don't even see it, right? So you bring the insider right. in, suddenly you can talk about the weather and the people, and food, and the, you know all this kind of stuff. The outs, the uh, sorry, bring the outsider in. The outsider gives you that kind of leverage, and then the insider uh, allows you to allows you backstory and history and relationships that are maybe not completely obvious on the surface, and all this kind of stuff. So, so just from a purely technical point as a storyteller, uh, it's really handy. Yeah. Um, w- one thing that that uh, that I love about your writing, John, is that uh, there's some very heavy subject matter. I mean, when you're when you're talking about like in in Bad Day Breaking, for instance, there's a a weird religious cult that has you know kind of popped up, and uh, you know, and then you've got the 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 kind of small town. Uh, crime that that's going on then you've got how the 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 locals see the the sort of outsiders as they're viewed from the religious cult and you've got this sort of prejudice going on but is that uh um is that warranted you you know that you know we we just automatically assume that prejudice is is bad but sometimes that there's a kind of bit of discernment that that comes with that and you know how do you how do you juggle those two things? Um, right. So you, you've got all of this kind of really heavy, heady subject matter going on, um, but your writing is also kind of f- full of subtle puns in a lot of places, and and I don't mean that in a corny way. Um, there, you use them as a tool to, um, and and I talk about this a lot in in thrillers that that a lot of times we we need to let the reader off the hook for a moment mm-hmm. uh, if we keep their adrenaline pegged constantly then the the intense moments don't mean as much because there's no there's no um emotional room uh there uh, but h- how do you kind of uh handle moments of levity um to to you know give the the readers a, a range of emotion to go back and forth yeah, you're, you're right that that's critical. It's about balance and proportion. And proportion is an issue, you know, if, if everything's dark and, and heavy and, and fast and, and, uh, and, you know, then nothing is. Um, and so it is, it is uh, it's like ice skating. It's a push and a glide and a push and a glide. And the glide, in my case, because of the dark subject matter, the glide has to really refresh you. It, it has to give you a minute to breathe and a minute to think that, yeah, this is bad, but you know, not everything is, and and these that, there's a bad person, but here's here's a nice one 
that was brutal. This is funny. Um, so it's really critical to me, and it's and it's one of the things that I work really hard on. I hope it doesn't show. Uh, I mean, I hope it 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 really is just sort of the fabric of the thing. But and in and in you know you've seen if you've read Bad X County in particular, you've seen that I've created a character who is who is there to provide uh, some pretty sharp humor. Um, Denise Halverson, who's the dispatcher for Heidi Kick. Um, is a she's one of those people who remembers every joke she's ever heard, um, <laughs> which is the opposite of me. I don't remember a single joke I've ever heard. I couldn't tell you a joke right now to save my life, but she knows them all, and she uses them in an interesting way because she and Heidi are women in a men's world. She uses ugly, stupid, sexist jokes against women the way we use a vaccine against COVID. She she tells them to Heidi all the time. <laughs> Uh, to, to sort of keep her up, keep her boosted. <laughs> to, to build up her immunity against That's it. That's right. Yeah. And and so the jokes are simultaneously f- sort of funny because they actually are sort of funny. Uh, and they're sort of mean and stupid and sexist because they are sort of mean and stupid and sexist. And <laughs> thirdly, uh, they're inoculations. Right. So right. I keep that going through the series and it works pretty well. So when you're beginning a new book, John, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by this is this is probably the thing that fascinates me the most is the moment of inspiration at 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 one moment, um, you know, the, this new book, uh, Bad Day Breaking, did not exist in any form or fashion, and then and and maybe this is different when you're writing a series book versus a standalone or the first book in a series, but um, but. You know, then either you're thinking of um, uh, a situation to put your characters in, or maybe you've read something uh, or watched something on the news and it starts playing the what if game. And then, you know, the, the stage of your mind is, you know, begins to be populated with with characters. And then, you know, you kind of watch to see what they're doing. And then you know, uh, then the book does exist and it's your job as the writer to kind of dig that story out and excavate it, you know, dust it off, polish it up and and make a thing out of it. What is that first moment of inspiration like for you? God, I wish uh, there was a discrete, identifiable first moment. There generally isn't for me. Um, you know, I think it's a kind of a messy, overlapping series of of things. And I, and I, I don't think I... I can clearly put my finger on it. In the case of Bad Day Breaking, though, I do know that in drive, I have a, I actually have a place where I, I spent a lot of time in, in, in Vernon County, Wisconsin, which used to be Bad Axe County, and I've created a fictional Bad Axe County next door to Vernon County. But in any case, I spent a lot of time out there. I have a place out there. Uh, and so I drive back and forth all the time, and, and I'm really <laughs> astonished by the number of mini storage facilities. I mean, how much storage do we need? Every little town you go through has like three of them. And and some of them are just like sitting out in the middle of a field with weeds growing in the driveway. And, and I don't know what this is all about, but, you know, half of them seem to be abandoned. And I was already thinking about, uh, I was writing this, you know, conceiving of this book during the beginning of the of the COVID thing, and and I was already thinking about you know do I do I include COVID? Do I pretend it never happened? What am I doing? And I just I'd already decided to actually sort of deal with it thematically by by um, 
by by dealing with loss, by dealing with people that have been cut adrift from their livelihoods and their families and all this kind of stuff. And so I already had this idea of a cult. And when I was, I must have been staring at one of these forlorn uh, mini storage facilities in some small town in Wisconsin and said, aha, you know, uh, an itinerant, an itinerant prosperity cult shows up living in, a, you know, shows up in an abandoned mini storage facility and Sheriff Kick is simultaneously supposed to protect them because they're in her county and they are human beings uh, and boot them out because you can't live in a mini storage facility. It's not, it's not code, you know, so I, uh, I think that somehow this conglomeration of things came together in that idea so um what uh what are you working on now john because if we know anything about the publishing industry uh you know this book has probably been off of your desk for uh, maybe the better part of a year um what, what what's got your imagination working right now um, well, uh, I'm working on another book. I'm very excited about it. I don't want to talk about it too much. But again, it's it's a book that, that dives right into the heart of a real sort of tangentially related because it's in the same cultural milieu. Um, but what's got my attention now are in a in a I guess in a in a very vague way is the impact of global politics and global markets on small rural communities and, and the uh, sudden and disturbing way that that can erupt into a conflict um, for a small town and the people that live in it and try to try to manage it. Is that vague enough? <laughs> I'll, I'll say two more words, China okay. and Vatican. I'm sorry, what was that? China and bacon. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. I can't wait to see what you've come up with. Uh, Bad Day Breaking, uh, when you're hearing this, is available everywhere. You can use uh, the links we're going to put in the show notes where you can grab it in Kindle edition or hold the paper in your hand and read it that way or audiobook or go visit your local bookstore and let's support local books. Uh, John, if people are just discovering you, and want to dig into all the great stuff that you're up to, where can they find you online? Oh, please go to my website, johngalligan.com, and there you will see uh, all of my all nine books and descriptions and um, any reviews and, and you know, attention that they've attracted um, and uh, links to purchase them if you want. So johngalligan.com. And we'll put links to uh, the website in the show notes to make it easier for folks to find you. John, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thanks, Hank. I appreciate it. It's been fun.